the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, Southern California. I'm Pastor Alan Jackson. It's my privilege to be with you today. I serve a congregation in Nashville, Tennessee, and I have the honor of spending a couple hours with those of you in Southern California today. I have served the same congregation for more than three decades. It began as a home Bible study, and today there's thousands of people who gather on the weekends. So I've had the privilege of serving a church of just about every imaginable size but most of all, I, I serve the body of Christ, and so it's my honor to spend some time with you. you know, as I began preparing for the program today, I realized I had a little bit of anxiety about the differences in Tennessee and California. Not climate differences or the differences between your beaches and the hills of Tennessee, but ideological differences. You know, as I reflected on it, I realized that most of those ideas had been created by messages that I had received from the media, not the friends or that I have in California, the people of the visits from being there. Uh, and it, it was important for me to step back and remember that as believers, we're united by our allegiance to Jesus of Nazareth. He's the head of the church. There is no division in that. You know, we've been being told for months to follow the science. And I can tell you this one thing I do know about science is the science is the same in Tennessee and California. Uh, science doesn't change with a state boundary or an elected governor. But neither does our allegiance to Jesus. The power of God is the same on the West Coast as it is in the Southeast, and that's good to know. When I think about California, I think about the California dream. I live in flyover country, and I have for much of my life. But I have visited California, and I have certainly watched California and thought a lot about it. And most of what we hear is an ideal. Your climate is better than ours. Your beaches are certainly more beautiful than the beaches of Tennessee. Uh, you've got deserts and mountains. Your food is healthier. They even try to convince us your people are prettier. It seems like your sports teams succeed more often than the rest of us. Most of us have watched the Dodgers or the Lakers. That California dream is a real thing. I mean, all the way from Disneyland to the, the beautiful beaches, God has blessed California in a unique way, and it has been a leader in this nation for decades. But it seems to me from where we stand today that that California dream is tarnished a little bit. Again, most of my window is through the media, and I trust very little that I get through that window. But I, I'm certainly aware of some of the struggles you have. I know you're in the midst of a recall election, that next week you're going to vote around your governor, whether Governor Newsom will be continue to lead your state or someone else will, Larry Elder or whomever that may be. But I think what's really in question is that California dream. Can we restore the, the, the glow to that? Can, are the best days of California ahead of us, or have they slipped past us? And I don't think that's just a California question. I think that's a question for our nation that is very much uppermost in the minds of many of us. And I think if we're honest, it's a question that is uppermost in the minds of Christians as well. And it's an important question, and we're going to have to answer it, and we're going to have to answer it in ways beyond the election booth. I know elections are important. We had one not too long ago, and there was a lot of dissatisfaction around it. No matter which way the outcome went in your imagination, I don't think any of us were pleased with the way it was conducted. 
and the attitudes that were expressed around it. And I assure you that all over this nation, there are people praying for you next week, that your election will be done in a forthright, upright, transparent way so that the will of the people of California will be accurately reflected in the votes that are cast and the way they're counted. You know, on top of that, we've still got the COVID craziness, whether we're going to wear masks and when we're going to wear them and how we're going to wear them or how many we need to wear. Do we need one, two or three? Do we put them over our eyes or over our mouth? And the vaccine debate continues to rage. You know, it's it's unthinkable to me the, the way we are being divided around our health care. We have the best health care system in the world without question. We have the finest trained doctors and staffs in our hospitals. We have more resources invested in health care. And yet right now it's being used to drive a wedge between us. That California dream, we need it to succeed. It'll bring hope to the rest of us. So I think, first of all, we're going to get to spend some time together this afternoon and God willing again tomorrow. I want you to know in Southern California that there are Christians all over the nations praying for you, asking God that your will will be heard and expressed, and that you'll be listening to his voice as you make those selections. This is not about political parties or ideologies. This is about the kingdom of God and a biblical worldview and the kind of world we want our children and our grandchildren to live in. And I can tell you this, it's time for the church to stand up as we never have before. I hope over this set, our hours today and tomorrow to, to be able to build a list of options with you, things we can do, things that will lead us to a better outcome. What I can tell you without question is that we're not powerless. We're not alone. We have not been abandoned by God and left to the whims of authoritarian autocrats. Thank God. You know, honestly, I believe the intrusion of the pandemic started a little over 18 months ago. That uninvited guest of COVID-19 has been seized upon in our nation and other nations of the world as well to launch a revolution. There's a concerted effort underway to introduce ideological change to every aspect of our lives. I don't think the outcome has been determined yet. And honestly, I think the ultimate outcome is going to be determined by the response of the Christian church. It isn't going to be determined politically. It isn't going to be determined economically. I believe the church has a role to play. We're salt and light. I don't deny the role of science or the impact of politics or the significance of economics, but I believe the spiritual forces in our world are the most powerful forces affecting the lives of human beings today. And this pandemic, when it was introduced, caught us in the church a bit. I think we were exposed. We were asleep. We got caught napping. The problem we're facing right now isn't the depravity of the wicked. It's the indifference of the faithful. And will, will, will we be able to respond to the promptings of the Spirit of God? God is shaking us. I believe he's trying to awaken us again. You know, sleep is a normal part of your life routine. If you're healthy, you sleep well. If your health is interrupted or your health isn't great, you don't sleep so well. But when you're asleep, you're unaware, you're unconcerned, and you're uninvolved. And that's a pretty accurate description. I've spent more than three decades in the church world. And I'm certainly not the final authority, but I have enough experience to have an informed opinion. And prior to COVID, I think we were pretty comfortable and convenient. In fact, I think we worshiped at the altars of comfort and convenience. We selected churches based upon who had the easiest parking or whose service was the most brief or whose music was the most entertaining or fit our personal worship style. And the world needed more for us. While they were taking the Ten Commandments out of our schools and telling us not to use Jesus' name in the marketplace or that a nativity scene wasn't appropriate at Christmas time in a public place, We were still arguing about worship styles, and God's begun to awaken us, and it gives me great hope. You know, when you first wake up, it's typically not a great feeling. You'd rather stay asleep, and whoever it is that had the assignment of waking you up isn't looked upon with great appreciation and gratitude. 
Oftentimes I'm a bit grumpy. I'd prefer to sleep a little bit longer. Let's just hit snooze and, and go back to drift off. And I think we're struggling with that a little bit. Some of us would rather just look away from the pandemic and what COVID has exposed and pretend we haven't noticed the problems we have with homelessness and the lawlessness and the disruptions and the riots and the things that just week after week seem to change and emerge and don't go away. But we're not going to sleep our way through this. We're going to have to wake up. For months now, I've been encouraging the people that I interact with to watch, to listen, to think, and to act. We are participants in a season of tremendous change. And from a biblical perspective, it seems like to me the enemies come in like a flood, not a political enemy, not a political party, not a candidate you don't like. There is spiritual activity, demonic activity, expressions of evil, which are unprecedented. The rate of change that we are processing right now is so fierce, it's exhausting to try to maintain awareness of what is unfolding. And yet for the last 18 months, you've persisted. I've got a lot of friends in Southern California. I talk to them regularly, churches, and I've got hope for this California dream. California has been leading the way in Christian culture in this nation for decades. You have provided opportunities for us and illuminated paths for the rest of us. And I'm trusting God to pour out his spirit in Southern California again. We've seen leaders like John MacArthur in recent months win some victories in recent weeks that have impacted all of us. Jack Hayford was a voice in our lives that made a huge difference. Rick Warren, the whole Calvary Chapel movement, the Jesus people. California has had a prominent spiritual role in the development of this nation. And I'm trusting God that we will see that awakened again, renewed again. We've not been abandoned. These 18 months have been difficult. But we have learned to manage life in the midst of these ever-changing challenges. These aren't the normal challenges we were accustomed to. We're not talking about washing machine malfunctions or the kids can't find their backpacks again. We've been walking through a season where our reality, it's not easy to establish on a day-to-day basis. Science, we watch it being bent by political agendas. Our jobs have been disrupted. When and how our children go to school feels like an elaborate game of where's Waldo. Managing a small business requires divine guidance like unto Moses these days. The government's handing out money, but they diminish our dignity each time they do it. You know, on top of all of that, we sense that forces we can't quite identify are busily trying to divide us, sowing hatred and discord in ways that seem unprecedented and they're certainly unwelcome. We watched our First Amendment rights be dropped into the shredder. We endure lectures from people of tremendous wealth and power telling us our values are out of date and they're unsuitable for the 21st century. They would prefer we just shut up or they'll deplatform us while they explore space. And the outcome of all this, honestly, in my life, and I suspect in yours, is we're tired, a bit confused. We're left feeling awkward because at some point along the journey, we've been drawn into the deceptions on one side or the other. It's hard on the, you know, which voice do you trust? Which resource do you put your faith in? We're easily led off path. We've been frustrated because it's increasingly clear we're not going back. Do you remember? Wasn't too long ago they said to us if we'd go home for two weeks and flatten the curve, we could go back to normal? Somebody moved normal. And the honest truth is I don't believe we're going back there. But we still have families and responsibilities and dreams for ourselves and our children and our grandchildren. Well, I have some good news. In the face of all that junk, and all the garbage and all the challenges and all the chatter that comes with elections and COVID and mass and economics, 
The good news is in the face of all of this, God is moving. He's moving in a mighty way. He's gathering a people for himself. He is busy. He's not removed from our reality. He's responding in the midst of the turmoil, in the shaking. He is purifying our hearts and awakening us, giving a purpose to our lives that, candidly, a couple of years ago, I think we had lost focus on a bit. So I am more excited, more anticipatory of the future. I'm looking forward to the California dream and seeing it brought back to life by the Spirit of God. And that's going to begin in your heart, in your life, in your home, in your congregation. It starts in our thoughts. We're going to have to push off the despair and the heaviness, the frustration, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness. There's too much of that. We've got to stop looking through the windows of our church and pointing condemning fingers at other people and in humility begin to say to the Lord God, my heart has to change. I have to be different. It was on my watch that these things began to happen. I was distracted. I was too focused on the things I wanted and the dreams I was chasing. I wasn't listening to your spirit and asking for what you had in my life. I was more concerned with having the approval of the cultural around me or closing the next business deal or being celebrated by somebody whose opinion I valued than I was in pleasing you. And God, I'm sorry for that. God is purifying his church. I never would have imagined he would use a virus from Wuhan, China to do that or the disruptions of political turmoil, or violence in our major cities, or the despair that's coming with the the fear that seems to, to creep around us these days. But in the midst of all of those things, I see the hand of God moving. So I want to put an idea on the table. I want to make a suggestion. Let's start a revolution, a Jesus revolution. Not with violence, not with anger, not with hatred. I'm not talking about those things at all but a revolution centered in a message of restoration and reconciliation. Reconciled to God, reconciled to one another, restored to what we were created for. I'll give you a bit of a definition. A reform is a correction of abuses. When something is being misused, misappropriated, a reform is an attempt to reset normal. A revolution is something different. A revolution is a transfer of power. Often what starts as reforming often ends up in a revolutionary movement. Then I would submit to you, we need a revolution. We need a revolution of faith. We need a revolution of worldview. We have been too tolerant of ungodliness and immorality and wickedness. Our our watchwords, our mantra for recent decades in American Christendom has been tolerance and inclusivity. We haven't been overcomers. We've been overlookers. We weren't overcoming evil with good. We've just been overlooking evil and saying, well, it's not that bad. Lukewarm's not that awkward. And I believe the Spirit of God is awakening us to a new season, to a new challenge. And it's exciting to me. I don't think you should be frightened. If you're a little weary, that's okay. But, you know, weariness comes from exertion. You don't get tired if you're not doing anything. And when we've been awakened and being asked to take a stand that we haven't had to take in recent months or years, weariness should be expected. But the greatest point, if you're going to do a workout, the real opportunity comes at the end of the workout when you're already fatigued. If you'll push through the end of that workout, you actually gain some strength. And I believe God is strengthening his church. I want to read you a couple of verses from Luke chapter 12. It's Luke 12, beginning in verse 49. Jesus is speaking, I've come to bring fire on the earth. And how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it's completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. 
Now, I understand that's not the only verse, but in that passage, Jesus is clearly identifying that his name and his mission will be a dividing point, a line of demarcation in the earth. And I'd like to begin our time together by asking you to be certain that you have aligned yourself with Jesus, that people know you, understand you're a Christ follower, not a church attender, not a religious person, not a moralist, not an ethicist. We want to be advocates for Jesus, not angry, not condemning, not judgmental, not mean-spirited, but we want to put our faith and trust in him. We are witnesses to a very unique season of change. It's exciting to me. I earned a degree in history, and I always thought it would have been fun to ridden with Paul Revere through the streets of Boston when he made that late-night ride, or to have been a part of various scenes in history. Well, I wasn't given that privilege, but you and I have been given the opportunity to stand in this season as advocates for Jesus of Nazareth. Faith and trust right now are at critically low levels. The free exchange of ideas is being systematically inhibited. We watch while there's the dismantling of liberty and freedom in our nation. But in that, all of those things, there is an opportunity for the church, an opportunity for the church to use our voice to be advocates for Jesus of Nazareth, to be advocates for a biblical worldview, to say that we believe God's opinion matters, that there is a creator, and that he has a purpose for every life, that in the midst of our brokenness and our failures and our shortcomings and our inadequacies and all the things that we're not, there's a power available to transform a human life. That however desperate we may feel in the person of Jesus, there is a pathway forward that will bring a dignity to every life we know. Now, that's a wonderful promise. There's a couple of things I, could, I believe we could do that will dramatically improve our future. We could begin by persuading as many people as possible to serve Jesus of Nazareth as Lord and King. Again, not to be churched people, to recognize Jesus of Nazareth as a a historical figure and then choose him as Lord of your life. And let's do that. Let's add to that something else. Let's determine to strengthen the nuclear family. It's God's idea. It's an important component of a healthy society. It's been that way for hundreds of years. We've pretty casually set that aside, and the churches has little to say. I believe if we'll find the courage to stand up for a biblical worldview, we can see that California dream reemerge again and be a blessing to this entire nation. God has not abandoned us. He's going to walk you through the challenges of next week and restore the best things about California. There's enough California folks in Tennessee now. We want you to be so happy in California, you stop looking at the hills of Tennessee. If you've got a comment or a question, we'll take some calls in the next session. It's 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. Again, this is Pastor Alan Jackson in Nashville, Tennessee, with the privilege of talking to those of you in Southern California Live today. Excited about what God is doing in the earth, that in the midst of the confusion and the turmoil the things that so often look like deception and frustration, God is preparing a people for his purposes. And I want to be certain that I'm participating in those invitations. It's an honor to stand with you. I'm looking forward to seeing what God has to do in your lives in these next few days. It's a pivotal season, and your opinion matters. Your participation matters. Your prayers matter. God is listening to his people. He has not stepped away from us. He's not so filled with despair that he's abandoned us. He will lead us through this turmoil and, I believe, bring us to a better place. It's an exciting time to be a Christ follower, no matter what part of the nation you live in. Let's let the name of Jesus be on our lips and our enthusiasm for his kingdom be something that all our friends know about.
It's my privilege to be with you today. I serve a congregation in Nashville, Tennessee, and I've been invited to fill in for a little Southern California sunshine. Unfortunately, I'm getting my perspective on it from a studio in Nashville. I look forward to my visit to the beach some sooner than later. Uh, We're talking about restoring the California dream and what that looks like. I'll give you a clue. I don't think it's going to come through a politician or a political party. I think it's going to come through a, a worldview change and a transfer of kingdom allegiance from serving our own kingdom to recognize the, recognizing the value of the kingdom of God in a new way. Now, that doesn't mean we don't want to participate in the elections. You've got an upcoming recall election next week that I think the whole nation and honestly much of the world is watching. Whether Governor Newsom will hold his seat or Larry Elder or someone else will take it. I hope you're planning to participate. Please don't just sit in, your, in the privacy of your home and stew in your frustrations. Participate in the process Christians have been observers for too long and then been filled with criticism for the outcomes. If we're not spending time and energy and effort to influence our neighbors and our friends and those people that we work with and live near us based on the perspective we hold, we've abdicated our assignment. So I believe God has given you an opportunity, and I hope you're fully engaged. If you're not, you've got a few days to get prepared. All of us want COVID to go away. We're tired of masks and discussions about vaccines and who is and who isn't and what it means. It's not the mark of the beast. I'm not a doctor. I'm not qualified to give you medical information, but I'm a pastor, and I've studied the Scripture most of my life. I don't believe the vaccine's the mark of the beast, but I definitely believe COVID's being used by God to awaken His church. We want to see that California dream restored. It'll be a strength to our entire nation. So I invited you in that earlier segment to join me. Let's start a revolution, a Jesus revolution, not with violence, not with anger, not with hatred, but a revolution centered in a message of restoration and reconciliation. And it begins with us as individuals. We need to be reconciled to God. We need to be reconciled to one another. We need to be restored to what God created us for. You know, a revolution is about a transfer of power. And we have lived our lives under the power of government, authoritarian government. We lived our lives under the power of darkness and ungodliness and immorality too long. It's time for a revolution. Let the name of Jesus be exalted. Let his church once again become a predominant influence in our culture and society. Churches aren't filled with perfect people. It's way too easy to find somebody in the church that's a hypocrite. In fact, people often say to me, Pastor, I don't want to come to church. Church is filled with hypocrites. And I always answer the same way. I don't disagree. I've sent my life around the church. But if you want to come, we'll make room for one more. Church is not about a hall of fame of perfect people. Church is a triage unit for people who are broken and understand we need the power of God to help bring restoration to us. And I believe that's what God is willing to do in this season. I believe behind all the the turmoil of COVID and all the interruptions it's brought to our schools and our businesses and our routines, all the plans that have been forfeited, all the travel that's been set aside, for all the stress it has brought to our lives, in the midst of that, God is inviting us towards himself. It's an exciting time to me. I want to remind you of a biblical character. If you don't read your Bible a lot, you may not know him. He was a king in Judah. That was the southern kingdom. Jerusalem is the capital. The king's name is Josiah. Josiah became king when he was a boy. But he was identified in Scripture as a good king, as a godly king. In fact, he was a reformer. The temple in Jerusalem, the center of the Israelite religious life, the the center of their nation, really, 
had fallen into disrepair. They were so distracted by other things that the center of their religious life was in disrepair. So Josiah organized a restoration project. And while they're restoring the temple, they found hidden in the wall the book, the books of the law, the scroll with the books of Moses on it. They had become so distracted, their hearts had drifted so far away from God, they had lost the Bible and didn't know it. You read that, that's a stunning idea, that we have lost our Bible and didn't know it. They found it in the wall, they bring it to the king. When they read it to him, he begins to weep, he tears his clothes as an expression of grief because the people had drifted so far away from a God perspective. They had temple prostitutes. Can you imagine that? Right next to the temple in Jerusalem, they had erected places for temple prostitution. It was enshrined in their way of life. I assure you there were people profiting from it, people that had incorporated into their, their practices. And Josiah not only restored the temple, he restored the practice of worship to honor God. It brought the blessings of God upon his nation. I took a moment with that because I think sometimes we think we're the first generation that ever drifted off course. Sometimes I think Christians, we think we're the first generation that has seen ungodliness or immorality or darkness grow and increase on our watch. But that's not the case at all. The kind of discontinuity we have seen with our historic faith and its practice in our nation fits very, very well, not only with the history of the church, but with the biblical presentation of God's people through the ages. So we have the privilege of being one of those generations who can cry out to God and say, God, we need you to restore the dream in our lives. I have a hope. California has led our nation for decades. And my prayer is that California will lead us once again in an outpouring of the Spirit of God. That your election next week will be a beacon, a light that begins to shine across our nation that declares that righteousness and uprightness and integrity and truthfulness will be valued again. That we'll expect our leaders to lead with the same integrity with which they speak to us. That we'll expect them to practice what they preach to the rest of us. I'm grateful for what you're doing. I want you to know there are multiplied numbers of people across this nation praying for you as you walk towards next week. Don't let despair and hopelessness and fear permeate your life. Don't give in to the darkness. I know there's a battle in your mind and your emotions. Election fatigue, I'm sure, has set in. It always does by the time you get to a few days in front of an election. And you're, you know, the election next week isn't going to sweep COVID away into the ocean. You're not going to push it off to Arizona or someplace else. You'll still have to overcome it. But I believe you can do it with leaders who fear God and will lead you towards godliness and righteousness in a way that will bring a better future to your children and your grandchildren. Church, we have a role to play, and it goes beyond worship services and singing our favorite choruses or arguing over which translation of the Bible to read. We've got to stop being angry at the ungodly and the wicked and imagining that they're our problem. It's been our ambivalence that has put us in this place. We've been distracted. We've wanted our way and God to bless our plans. And for the most part, we've been pretty disinterested in his purposes. And God is calling us back to be a church that he can use in the earth. Our nation has been used by God to bring his light, the light of the gospel, to the nations of the world. And now the nations of the world are looking at us and shaking their heads. We've abandoned our citizens in Afghanistan. We've turned our backs on our allies. We have forfeited and stepped away from the fundamental commitments that have defined us as a people. But it isn't a political problem. It's not about a politician or a political party. It's about the condition of our hearts. 
We live in a representative republic. The people that we elect to office represent the condition of our hearts. If you're frustrated with the politicians, begin to say to God, God, I'm sorry. The condition of my heart is such that those persons have gained authority over our lives, but I'm willing to change so that we can see people who fear your name, people who will stand for righteousness and purity and holiness and godliness, once again be given authority over us and make decisions that affect us and our children and our grandchildren. It's an important season. I'm not giving up on that California dream, and I'm not giving up on you. I may have a little bit of a hillbilly accent, but we share the common denominator that Jesus is Lord and His Spirit indwells in us, and we are all part of the same church with a capital C, We may worship in different places, and you may be able to do it with open windows and open doors. The humidity in Tennessee makes that improbable. But God is leading us through this season to a better place. We've been witnesses to an unprecedented time of change. It started with quarantines. We've watched some of the most trusted institutions in our lives be discredited. It's not easy to know who to trust any longer. That's not just about medical institutions. It's about law enforcement. It's about political parties. Almost every place we look, we've seen some of the most knuckleheaded ideas we've heard in decades make their way into the public square and be celebrated as, as if they were logical and rational. Wonderful ideas like defund the police and replace them with social workers. Nobody that's ever felt vulnerable think that's, thinks that's a good idea. And while it seems the insanity has been given access to the microphone, The church was said that we were non-essential, and we agreed. Well, God has begun to awaken us, and there's a new season ahead of us. I believe that there will be voices coming out of California that will speak God's truth that will impact our nation, that we will see God move in your lives and begin to bring changes to California that will be a, a forerunner of what's coming to state after state after state. I thank God for your lives. You're not alone. You may be driving long distances or sitting in traffic or pushing through difficulties because of mismanagement and problems, but God has not abandoned you. If you'll begin to quietly say, Lord, I use my life. I want to honor you. I'll give you first place in my life. Begin to make a list of the things you can thank God that he's done for you. Do not give in to the despair and the heaviness and the fear. We are standing in a unique season. I believe God intends to use His church to make an impact in our world to prepare for the return of the King. What an honor we have. If you've got a question or a comment, I'd be happy to talk to you. It's 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. God is moving in the earth. He's moving far more pervasively than COVID is. He has a plan that exceeds any politician or any political party. And you and I have the privilege of being a part of this most unique generation and taking a place for the kingdom of God. That California dream, it's on the horizon, and he's going to use you and me to see it made a reality again. What a privilege to get to be a part of that. It's my honor to be with you today. Again, this is Pastor Alan Jackson, and I'm filling in here. We'll be right back here on Southern California Live. If you've got a question, give us a call at 888-52-TALKS or 888-526-2557. Hello, Southern California. This is Pastor Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of filling in today from Nashville, Tennessee. Wish you were here with me, or I wish I was there. Probably the beach sounds better, and we are California dreaming. We're talking about how we can see that California dream restored. 
It's defined my life. We've looked at California. You've had prettier beaches and better mountains and the desert, and your food was healthier than ours, and your your people were prettier than the rest of us, and your sports teams have won too many games. We've all watched the Lakers and the Dodgers and the rest. But it seems that that California dream is tarnished a bit, and you're facing some challenges and some difficulties. And to be candid, I don't believe a politician is going to fix them. I believe God can use politicians to bring you a different outcome and a different future. But I believe the future of California and the future of Tennessee and the future of my life, yours, our nation, depend upon the Church of Jesus Christ being awakened in a way that we weren't when COVID began almost two years ago. Uh, we were asleep. That's not a bad thing. Sleep's a normal part of a life cycle. But if you, the book of Proverbs said it's, if a son sleeps during harvest time, it's a shame to his parents. And the church can't afford to stay asleep any longer. We've got to take our place. So I've made a suggestion. Let's start a revolution. A Jesus revolution, not a revolution around anger or violence or hatred, but a revolution of worldviews. Let's find a new courage to to begin to talk about Jesus as Lord of our lives and what that means. Something outside of sitting in a church on the weekends or singing our favorite worship choruses or having a vocabulary that's different from somebody who doesn't know the Lord. Being a Christ follower is more than about your menu or your wardrobe. It's about a condition of your heart and the worldview you hold. And we're going to have to have the courage to begin to speak into our culture and talk about a biblical worldview, the value of of a biblical perspective. We're going to have to take time in our Bibles and actually read it. That's right, like every day, spending time systematically reading through our Bibles. It seems to me one of the problems we face right now is we feel so powerless. You know, we're not sure where the enemy really is, if it's the CDC or Dr. Fauci or somebody in Washington, D.C. we don't like or somebody in the governor's mansion in California, or whoever. But I don't believe our problems are those people. I think there's a spiritual struggle underway, and the church is uniquely positioned to make a difference. So I want to tell you, I brought a message from Nashville. You're not powerless. You're not insignificant. You may say you're only one, but one person with the Spirit of God is a difference maker. And if we'll begin to take a stand in the sphere of influence that God has given to you, Begin to be an advocate for Jesus of Nazareth. Begin to talk about a biblical worldview as you understand it. Here's the challenge. You'll have to do that in the midst of our imperfections. None of us are perfect. There is a gap between the values that we hold up and the reality in which we live. None of us live to the exacting standards of Scripture. Now, that's not an excuse for sloppy living. It's an acknowledgment of the reality that if I hit my thumb with a hammer, praise the Lord may not come out every time. And it'll have a lot to do with who's standing there next to me when I hit that thumb. But in spite of that, I still have a desire within me to honor Jesus of Nazareth. We've watched a series of decisions in the last few years and decades that have all contributed to the decline of our families. And now we find ourselves in this place where we're concerned about the future of our children and our grandchildren. We could, you, we, we could all make our list. But, I mean, there was a sexual revolution, we were told. It changed that whole notion. Sex was focused for pleasure. It greatly diminished the responsibility of reproduction. Folks, parenting is not just about pleasure. It's a responsibility. Then we took parenting and we separated it from a life of faith. It became something about personal fulfillment. Somehow we introduced, I'm not sure anybody did it directly, but this notion of competitive parenting made its way into the marketplace. We want our children to do better than the neighbor's children. So we'll go find a personal coach for our six-year-old that's beginning to play t-ball because we want him to learn to hit a curveball off that tee. We'll do whatever we can to see that our children get an advantage over the neighbor's children. 
Well, as Christ followers, we have a responsibility to be protectors of the children, not just our children. We have stood silently on the sidelines while abortion on demand has been ingrained in our culture. Sixty million children sacrificed for convenience. And now when we find there's a group of people in Texas with the courage to begin to push back on that, and we hear the voices of the people who are telling us that's horrendous, the response from the church to me seems pretty quiet. The thousands of lives that are being saved by the courage that the Texans are demonstrating should bring hope to all of us. God is moving in our world in the midst of COVID and the turmoil and our lost jobs and the interrupted school schedules and all the challenges we face. We see expressions of God moving, of bringing restoration to us. And here's the good news. It starts in our hearts, in our lives, with our choices. We don't have to accept the ungodliness and the immorality that we hear all around us. We can stand in the face of that and say, Jesus is Lord. I believe God created the heavens and the earth, that his son Jesus is coming back to the earth as a conquering king and the judge of all, and we all need to be prepared for that. That is good news for every human being. No matter our race, no matter our IQ, no matter our social or economic indicators, the ground at the foot of the cross is level for all of us, but we're going to have to have the courage to speak to our culture. That California dream didn't begin with the Beach Boys, and it wasn't secured by Hollywood or Walt Disney. It really wasn't driven by the citrus fruit you produced or the beautiful movies you made. That California dream emerged from a worldview that honored God, and he blessed you. And I believe he has a desire to bless you in the future if we will realign ourselves with him. I have the same prayer for Tennessee. One of my dear friends went to heaven last year. I hope you know him, Charlie Daniels. He wrote a song called Simple Man. He said, you know what's wrong with the world today? People done gone and put their Bibles away. They're living by the law of the jungle and not the law of the land. Charlie had the courage to speak to our culture and and tell the truth. He spent years of his life entertaining troops He had such a passion for our veterans and the men and women who've served our nation, both in the military and law law enforcement and first responders. Folks, it's time that we begin to rebuild an appreciation for the blessings that God has given us from California to Tennessee, from coast to coast and border to border, the freedoms and liberties that we have known, the opportunities we have had, the blessings that have come to us didn't come because of our natural resources, and they didn't come because of the brilliance of our politicians or our leadership. They came from the hand of God. And the question on the table before us today, and it's a critical question because there's a revolution underway, and the outcome of it isn't really clear yet. I don't believe it's been determined. I believe the determining factor will be the response of God's people. Will we humble ourselves? Will we seek the Lord? Will we acknowledge to ourselves and to God and to one another that we have been distracted? that we have tolerated ungodliness and immorality and wickedness within our own lives and within our own homes and with our own spheres of influence. We've excused it or justified it. We've winked at it. We thought, well, maybe God didn't really mean that. We've been a little embarrassed, the notion that the uniqueness of Jesus and that he is the only way to the kingdom of God, that as he said, he's the way, the truth, and the life. We stepped away from that because it wasn't embraced as widely as we would have preferred. Look, it's not a condemnation of anyone else. It's an acknowledgement of freedom and a pathway for hope for every person that will come to it. You're not powerless. You may only be one, but one empowered by the Spirit of God changes everything. After all, in the book of Romans, it says if God's before us, it doesn't really matter who's against us. That he sacrificed his son, that you and I could have a different future. There's nothing that God is withholding from us. The real question is, what are we withholding from him?
Are we willing to trust him with our future? Are we willing to say we want to see our children grow up to honor God more than we want them to become other things? Do we want to see righteousness and purity demonstrated in their lives more than we, we are striving for them to become other things? If the church can change our attitude and change our heart, I believe we'll see God bring restoration not only to California, but to Tennessee and every state in between and all around us. God is a redeeming God. He's a restoring God. He's more powerful than Governor Newsom or any parties that are working for you or against you. We want to bring alignment with ourselves and our future with God's purpose in our lives. It's an exciting time. It's a tiring time. I'm tired of COVID, too. I'm tired of the debates about vaccines and masks. I'm tired of elections. I'm tired of the media and their duplicity. I I long for those days when we trusted the sources that were speaking information to us, but we're not there anymore. Let's put on the armor of God and take our stand and see what God has for us in the season ahead. It's an exciting time. This is Pastor Alan Jackson. It's my privilege to spend a few minutes today with those of you in Southern California. I'm just filling in here on Southern California Live We've got one more hour to talk about what God is doing and the role we have to play in it. I hope you'll spend some time with us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.